looking at Psalm 8 today. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can turn there. It's also going to be on the screen in a minute. What we've been doing is going through various Psalms in the, uh, during the summer and kind of looking at how praising God can shape our lives. And so uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 8 today and looking particularly at something called the magnificence of God, the majesty of God, how great and awesome he is. And we're going to take a look at this and try to understand how this can impact the way that we live. Before we read the passage, let me pray. Father, I thank you very much that we get to come together and study the Bible. Father, I listen to all kinds of opinions all kinds of ideas, and it gets confusing. And so I thank you that you gave us a book that we can refer to to move us outside of speculation and opinion and idea, ideas into something that we can stand upon. And so please teach us from the Bible today. Help us to understand you better and how we can respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so there you see Psalm 8 up on the screen. O Lord, Yahweh, the, uh, the personal name of God. O Lord, our Lord. Another word for that is governor. Uh, I don't know if you've ever called God a governor before, but that's what this word means. So Yahweh, our governor. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, the word majestic means... It's a public display of who he is. You've often heard that we we should glorify God and that God is majestic. To glorify God is to reveal kind of the inside of who he is. To declare his majesty is to declare the public presentation of how great God is. Uh, How majestic is your name in all the earth. Who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. Just looking at creation describes how incredible you really are. And then it says, from the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength. That's a really hard sentence to understand. Let me, uh, other translations say it this way. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you tell of your strength. Instead of because of, read to silence your adversaries. So from the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you tell of your strength to silence your adversaries, to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. So this is saying that God silences arrogant warriors through the humble and the weak. He chooses to display his glory and splendor through weak and humble people and they actually silence the, uh, the bravado and pride of warriors and enemies. Verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers. Isn't that interesting? It's not even the work of your hands. It's just the heavens are just the work of your fingers. Like, this is a big God. The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man 
that you care for him. Now, we're going to focus on this for a while in just a moment because you have this incredibly awesome and majestic God who makes stars and the moon with his fingertips. And then he says, what this huge, incredible God, uh, why would you even think about us, humans? Why would you even consider us, care for us? This is starting to shape maybe what the majesty of God is like. Maybe it's not what we imagine it to be. Yet you have made him, humanity, a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. So he's describing this awesome and incredible God, and what does he do with his majesty? He gives it away to us. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. So this psalm starts by saying how incredible God is, and then before you know it, it's now talking about how amazing he's made humanity. It's fascinating. Why would he do that? You've put all things under his feet, under humanity's feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the seas, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. And then it goes back to saying in the final verse, O Lord, our governor, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So somehow all that talk in between about humanity somehow makes us conclude that God is majestic. This, I think, is a unique kind of majesty. Now, the first part of this majesty is obvious. If you think of somebody who's majestic and supreme and almighty, you would assume that he's super big, really large, and ruling stuff. That's easy to understand. But the primary focus of this majesty of God is not so much the work of his fingers. It's that he gives to humanity majesty, glory, and honor. So we find in the greatness of God not just supreme strength, but also that he shares this strength and gives it to humanity. You can press a button back there. Thank you. Now, I think what you and I can often do is contrast the supremacy of God and the strength and majesty of God with the intimacy of God. That it's either one or the other. Either God is super big, super strong and powerful, or he's my dad and I sit on his lap and he says how special I am to him. But what we find in this passage is that the two come together. This great almighty God is a God who draws near to us and blesses us with his presence and with his power. I feel as though we can easily be suspicious of an almighty God. 
a little bit nervous. I think it's Lord Acton said that, uh, that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so whenever we think of God being almighty and all-powerful, we just assume he has a bit of an attitude, a bit of an edge. And we should be just a little bit nervous about him. They, uh, in psychology, they call this transference, where we have past experiences, and we take those past experiences, and we transfer them onto who we think God is. So we have this, uh, we grow up experiencing people with authority. And then we go, oh, that's what people with authority are like. And since God has authority, then God must be like those people. And those people use their power for their own selfish gain. Another psychological word is projection, where we look inside of our own hearts and we see what it's like when we get a bit of power. And we go, well, God must be like that too. And so we become suspicious of an almighty, all-powerful God. Yet there's inside of us this deep longing to connect with him. And so it seems that what we can do is swing between worshiping God in his majesty and then kind of ignoring that and drawing near to him in intimacy. And then needing him to be large, you know, if we want him to do something powerful in our life, and then we go back to him being small and cuddly and, and so we can be intimate with him. It is shocking to consider that the God who wants to be near you and know you and care for you is almighty and powerful. He's almighty and powerful. And I don't know what your experience of authority has been in the past, but there is a God who is supreme in his authority and he wants to come close to you and as it says here, care for us. Now, how are you doing with that? Do you trust that that's true? That an almighty God who could snuff us out in a minute is mostly thinking about drawing near to us and caring for us. I think it's a remarkable thought. So here's the first question that I'd like us to ask ourselves. Can you trust an almighty God to be your loving Father? Now, as you know, uh, if you know me, Tibby uh, and I have 10 kids. And I watch my kids figuring this out with me. Because sometimes I correct them. I raise my voice and I demand my way. I do that. I am strong sometimes in my home. And if they do something that I'm not impressed with, Sometimes I get upset with them. And I'll say, stop that. 
and don't do it anymore. I'm not negotiating. I'm not saying please. I'm telling you what to do. And then, uh, when they were little, they're too big now, so it's awkward. But when they were younger, I want them to sit on my lap and I want to cuddle them and tell them how much I love them and how beautiful they are. So you can imagine how complicated this is for a child. Uh, which dad am I going to get right now? Am I going to get the, this dad or am I going to get this dad? And it's hard for kids to figure out it's the same dad. The dad with all the power who gets his way, whatever, I mean, uh, that dad wants to be close to you. And so you can view power as something that you need to, to cower and, and, and distance yourself from, or you can find that strength to be comforting. But it's not easy to figure that out. Because our experience of power is often not very healthy. And so God has to be able to say, I am almighty God. I create the stars with my fingertips. Yet, I'm mindful of you and I care for you. And all that together is who I am and makes me majestic. So I don't know if you're suspicious of God's power and resent him for being strong. But God is wanting to tell you today that his strength is not cause for distance. It's cause for comfort. So, point number two, that's point number one, is that he is supreme and he longs to share himself with us. Point number two is how do we grow in this trust? How do we grow in trusting this almighty God and drawing near to him and uh, trusting that he's loving even when he's powerful? And this is the answer, and then I'll explain it. We grow in our trust of God by praising God with our crown. Now, that doesn't make any sense, but let's, uh, let's look at this, and hopefully this is going to make sense to you. Um, it says, what is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? That's what we just finished talking about. And then it says in verse 5, you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him, that's the crown part, you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet. Now, let's try to explain this. <clears throat> Every one of us in this room has a crown. You're crowned. It says that. It says you have crowned humanity. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're all human. So you are crowned with honor and glory and dignity, majesty. You, you have a crown on. It's hard to see, I know, but you do. It's how God has made you. Now, what does a crown represent? It represents authority. 
So if I was, you know, the king of England or whatever, I'd have a crown that would represent my sphere of authority. So what this means is that every single one of us in this room has a sphere of authority that God has crowned us with. Are you following this now? Okay. I know it doesn't feel like it. It's just true. You have a sphere of authority that you have been crowned with and made responsible for by the king of heaven. So, uh, if you're a parent, uh, one of the most obvious spheres of your authority is your home. Uh, the mother and father are, the, they, they are the, the leadership team of the home. They've been crowned with majesty and honor in their home. Uh, if you go to school, you're going to be starting school soon, those of you who are in that age group. Uh, uh, what if your school is your sphere of authority in that you were crowned to exercise God's authority where you go to school? That's your sphere of authority. If you're working, your sphere of authority is the place that you work in. You've been called by God to exercise his authority in your workplace. That's what you've been crowned with. The neighborhood that you live in, crowned. Now here's the point. There are some things of God that you can't understand until you walk in your authority. I want to say that again. This is really important. There are some things of God that you can't understand until you walk in your authority. You won't get who God is unless you let yourself be crowned and you walk in the strength of that. I remember uh, Debbie and I were, were just married. We, were, uh, we didn't have kids yet. And in our old church, there was a doctor. He was uh, older than us. He had three kids. And I remember one time uh, I was telling him about something. Uh, you know, I, I was being super wise, whatever it was. And I was saying something incredibly profound. And he said to me, it's obvious you don't have any children. That was his response. Oh, that was hard on me. I was so insulted. I thought, what are you trying to say? That only parents know stuff? That's wrong and judgmental and stuff. And then we have 10 kids, and I would say the same thing. Because until you actually have authority and need to have a crown and rule something, there's just some things about God you just won't get. You, you just won't understand it. In, um, in Matthew chapter 8, there's the story of a Roman uh, officer, a centurion. And he has a sick daughter, and he says, look, you don't even need to, to come to my house just say the word, and she'll be healed. Because 
I'm a man under authority. I have a crown. And so I just know how authority works. And so you're the supreme God. You just say the word, and my daughter's healed. And Jesus says, man, I've not seen faith, trust, like this in all of Israel. This guy's amazing. And the way that he could understand who Jesus really was, was by receiving the authority that was granted him and walking in that. And then when you walk in that authority, you see God in a new way. Are you following the logic of this? Just grunt or you doing okay? Yeah, good. <clears throat> so if you struggle with trusting people who have authority or you struggle with God because he has authority, walk in some authority yourself and you'll see what it's like. Can remember again my uh, it's in, it's embarrassing, but I have numerous examples of this. But I'll uh, uh, I remember my pastor, and uh, I just really respected him. And whenever he got into the room, I mean it's just embarrassing because especially because I'm a grown man. Anyways, whenever he got into the room, my hands would get sweaty, and I didn't talk clearly. I just kind of said words, and I felt awkward around him. I was really nervous talking to my pastor because I just respected him so much. And, uh, and I, I loved his preaching, and every preach, I just felt the presence of God. And so I would be around him, and I'd just get nervous. And I'd, just, I'd babble, and, you know, it's just really dumb. And I'd, afterwards, you know, you go, like, what are you doing? He's just a guy. Just lighten up. No, every time I get around him, say a stupid thing. <laughs> Don't quite make sense. Feel awkward. Hope I can go away soon. Like, all that's going on. And then uh, I become a pastor. And then I realize he's just a guy. Because I now am a pastor. And I know how it feels to be a pastor because I is one, right? And so I just, you're just... A person, just like any other person. And then, uh, and then now I can see other pastors, and I'm just not intimidated by them anymore because I know what they're really like because I'm one too, and there's nothing special going on. But I wouldn't know that until I had that authority. And then now that I have that authority, I know what's going on for you. Now, that's also true in a much more, I mean, that's just a human example, with God. That you know that when you have authority, real authority, it's just not impressive. It just means more work. That's all that it means. It doesn't mean, oh yeah, I got the power. All it means is there's more people to care about. That's all that's going on. But if you don't have authority and someone else does, you're jealous of that. You go, oh, they get to call the shots. They don't have to answer to anybody. As if it, I mean, of course, none of that's true. But in our pride and insecurity, we talk like that. And we go, yeah, if I had power, I would do it way differently than them. Well, you, 
the only reason why you think that is because you don't have any power. <laughs> but if you had any power, you would know that it's not flattering, it's just more work, and you're just a human being trying to love other people. That's all that's going on. And so, if you let yourself have authority in your life and you walked with a crown, you would have an understanding of God that would allow you to draw close to him in his authority. And you would see how accessible strong beings can be. And that you don't just write them off that all beings with authority are, are self-centered and whatever. So isn't this ironic that the way that we would trust in the majesty of God is to receive the majesty that he's given us. Yet that is, I think, how it works, according to this passage. And that if you're having struggles drawing close to an almighty God, get a crown. Walk in some authority. And then you'll discover Wow, maybe he's approachable too. Maybe I don't have to be as suspicious of his power as I once was. Because I now know what it's like to have power and it's not flattering. It's point number two. Point number one is that God is all powerful. But he uses his power to care for us and to share it. And we trust that that's true as we walk in the authority that he's given us. That was point number two. And like the Roman centurion, that Roman officer, we would understand God's, God better as we would walk in the authority that he's rightly given us. And the final point, how then do we praise God with our crown? If, uh, if we're going to understand him better by receiving our authority, our crown, how could we finish with verse 9 and, and bring the, the authority that we have, bring that back to him and glorify his name instead of ours? How do we do that? How do we walk in our God-given authority in a way that doesn't undermine God, but actually gives praise and majesty back to God? The answer, I think, is simple. We exercise our authority as he exercises his authority. And he does that by sharing it. You will bring majesty and praise to God by receiving a crown and then using that crown to make others great. And then the circle is complete. The God of all majesty gives away his majesty to others who then use their crown to give away blessing to others 
which brings praise back to the Almighty God. This is who we see God being. In Matthew 20, 28, it says, the Son of Man is the term that he uses to describe himself. You notice he uses Son of Man, not Son of God, as a sign of his connection with us. Isn't that amazing? He could say, the Almighty God, otherwise known as me. He doesn't say that. He says, the Son of Man. Already we see who he is. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then he says in Matthew 28, 18, I'm reading out of the message right now because I just love how it says it. It just says it clearly, I think. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. God authorized and commanded me to commission you to walk in my authority. And then in 1 Peter 2.21, it says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. How do we bring praise to God in our authority? Is by sharing it well. It's by sharing it well. If I ever use my authority as a parent to make the home revolve around me better, I bring dishonor to God, and his crown that he gave me has been stained. The only authority that I have that has been given by God is to build up my children and to make them great. In the moment that I think the authority is about me, I'm now an unsafe leader in God's name is not praised. I have been saying uh, often because I really, really believe it. You guys, this is what I think is the main issue in our society. And I've said it before, I want to say it again because I just, I really believe this prophetically. That the number one problem in our city is the mistrust of God's authority. That is the number one problem that when people hear of an almighty, majestic, supreme ruler, they immediately assume ill motives. How are you and I going to reverse that? By receiving the crown that he gives to us and exercising our authority as a servant so that this city can get a taste of strong, selfless leadership. I don't know... Of a, of a better way to bring glory to God than by receiving glory and using it to serve. If we want, this series is about praising God. If we want God to be praised 
for his magnificence, then we need to receive some magnificence and model what it's really about. So I urge you for our city to work through its trust issues, could you and I please receive some authority and use it to serve others? And in that act, God's name is praised. Because nobody does that outside of followers of Christ. Let's reveal him by receiving strength, using it wisely by giving it away to others and telling them to do the same thing. That Christ modeled for us suffering so that we would know how to walk in authority by laying down our life. So let me ask you in conclusion, where is your crown? I'm, I'm serious. Where is your sphere of authority? We established from Psalm 8 that every single one of us in this room has a sphere of authority. You do. It's not just people standing up on the stage or community leaders or... No. Every single person in this room has been crowned. You have a sphere of authority. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you now. Because it mostly feels arrogant to receive authority. In our city, nobody wants to receive authority. It's just, you just look proud. But we're going to receive it because we have better motives for the glory of our King. Holy Spirit, would you please show each person here right now where you've crowned them with authority. Show them, please, Father, right now. God's going to speak to you. He's going to show you where you're to be responsible. Can you see it? Can you see it? Now, can I please invite you to receive your authority? Receive it now. Don't, don't have some false humility. We want you leading, because you're safe if you're a follower of Christ. So it's better that you lead. What's that saying by Edmund Burke? All, that, uh, uh, all, that, all that's necessary for evil to arise is if good men do nothing. So let's receive our authority and be good men and women. Can you just receive it? Just say, Father, I receive that. I receive the authority that you've given me, whether it's in a home or a neighborhood or a business or a school or a friend group. I receive, I receive that authority now. I receive that crown. Thank you that you share your glory with us. Last question. What does it look like to praise God in that place that you're leading in? I'm going to ask him to show you this as well. Holy Spirit, would you please show us now what would it look like 
to exercise authority in such a way that praise would be given to your name and people would trust in your authority by experiencing ours. Show us what would it look like in that place? How can we exercise authority that can boost people's trust of you? Father, I thank you that praising you is so practical. It's not just singing. It's living in a way that lifts your name up, your true name, not the name that people project on you or transfer onto you, but your true name, the name that is thoroughly strong and incomparably loving and humble. By your grace, would you enable us to lift your name up in our sphere of influence? Let's practice praising him now. And for those of you who would like, there's communion here that is a demonstration of receiving from him not just the forgiveness of sins, but an identity as rulers on this earth in his name.